Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, with, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you, that is, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, for I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness, for, sorry, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1, 1 to 17. Good morning, everyone. I hope you can hear me. So my name is Satish. I'm sharing today about Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. So this is my first time sharing <laughs> for the entire sermon today. So bear with me. I know some of you may feel sleepy or some of you get bored, but that should be okay. So in today's sermon, we will see about Paul, like how eloquently communicates the transformation power of the gospel and, post, and how it equips us to live with peace. Okay, Paul, if you look at this letter Paul writing to Romans, right, how he starts with it, starts uh, addressing, uh, uh, starts with a letter like, Paul, I am a servant. If you look at the letter writing nowadays, how we write usually on an email, or anything like that. So first we like, we address our correspondent like, dear Sam, dear Daniel, dear Helen, <laughs> dear M.M. So we address first 
others, and then at the end, we put like, thanks, our name, like Satish. This is what, thank you for. So that's how we write it. But in ancient world, it's kind of vice versa. First, they will introduce themselves, and then they will address to the correspondent. So that's why Paul initially started writing this letter, like himself declaring as a servant to the Jesus Christ. If you look at in the Old Testament, declaring as a servant, it's not new. It's been there in Old Testaments. We have a lot of examples. One of the best examples I can put it out right now is, Oh Lord, truly I am your servant. So this is phrase we can repeatedly see in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, when they are meaning a servant, it refers to slave. That means you completely belong to that. In Old Testament, usually the prophets come to say whenever they are praying or whenever they are uh, giving the uh, prophecies or giving the God's words, they come up with these statements, right? So here Paul declaring himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul follows, then declares an apostle. If you look up the word apostle, right? It's been in New Testament. In the Old Testament, we heard like prophets, Pharisees, and all those things. But apostles, the name itself, it's a Christian name from the beginning. Because Jesus called himself as one of the apostles, one of the 12 apostles. And he mentioned that directly and personally called by these apostles, by Jesus himself, he sent out them to preach with his authority. So now Paul is declaring himself as one of the apostles. And he added to them to the twelve. And now how, look at how he's declaring. Like First, a slave, humble himself and belong to Christ. And an apostle, it's a title with great authority. And he had been set apart for the gospel of God. So let us deep dive into today's sermon. And let us discover like how gospel can bring us the lasting peace in our life. So we are going to discuss about three main points. One is the gospel, the good news. We try to understand what the gospel and how Paul is describing in these passages. And the second one is how the gospel actually transforms us. And the third point we would like to see about how the gospel embraces our life in our in real world, in today's world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all your blessings and guidance in our life, Father. Thank you for giving the gospel to us. Thank you for giving the peace and lasting peace in our life, Father. Pray that you continue to bless us and guide us, Father. And as we go through the sermon today, we pray that you continue, you, you guide us through your Holy Spirit and let us understand more about you and come closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. The first point, the gospel, the good news, right? So everybody knows what the gospel is. It's not like we are not aware of what the gospel is, but let me describe in my perspective like what I understand from the passages, right? So if you look at the book of Romans, right? Everything Paul touches here, everything that relates to God, and he emphasized everything about the gospel and the good news about it. And for, at first, Paul clearly 
highlight the point that gospel is not invented in the new testament if you look at the paul letter right the first itself he giving the attestation and declaring that it was revealed and trusted by god entrusted by god in the old testament a son of god a god promises beforehand in the old testament through his prophets it's a fact it's not a made up story or made up thing it's been invented in new testament it's been there in the old testament and look at what's there in the old testament a son of god a descendant from david will be born and resurrected from the dead so that is our jesus christ our lord and the gospel the good news is about jesus christ right who born in this world as a, a descendant from david and resurrected from the dead now paul continue to describe like after giving this attestation like this is not something like we came up with some line like a story line or something in this book it's been there in the old testament and now he continue to describe who is jesus christ is and he he giving paul giving two titles to the jesus christ a descendant from a descendant of david according to the flesh and declared to be the son of god according to the holy spirit so if you look at the first title right he physically representing the jesus in human form itself so what he is referring to is he is in flesh we can see him and touch him he is a descendant from david and the second phrase raises little bit confusion if you look at the greek word here if you translated versions and all says like declared right if you look at the greek word the greek word called harizo that does not really mean declare it really mean a point so it renders to the appoint now if you put that it became different like when god appointed the jesus christ god appointed jesus christ as the judge of the world but if you look at the entire new testament that does not teach that the reason is it's pretty simple jesus was appointed established this son of son of god or resurrection but new testament is not does not teach because he jesus has been son of god eternally so is not just son of god because of the resurrection then how we can translate this right so these are lot confusion so there is a word in power that is joined with the verb declare a point but if you join with now rather than the verb it translate like this and paul try to confirm that in this passage like appointed son of god in power or declared to be the powerful son of god so on this contrasting everything going on and he's called like two thing according to the flesh and according to the holy spirit again so as we discussed earlier the according to the flesh is like referring to the jesus human form itself but when come to the according to the holy spirit there is a lot of commentator want to change this like it's like according to his divine in nature and according to uh, <coughs> there is one more yeah uh, according to the spirit of holiness or according to divine in nature and according to his holy human spirit so they want to translate in different way to understand what this actually is <laughs> but on the contrary it was the whole jesus christ 
body and spirit, human and divine. It's not just a part of him. And it seems that for it seems that the according to the flesh and according to the spirit refers to the two nature of his discipleship, like of Jesus. The pre-resurrection and the post-resurrection. To put it may to put it in simple words, Jesus, a human historical figure, and a Christ, the Messiah of Old Testament scripture, he is the seed of David and son of God, weak and powerful, in incarnated and exalted, our Lord, who owns our life, who rules it. So Jesus as a whole himself feels both human and divine, weak and powerful. So it's just not a part of his weak and part of his powerful. And Paul comes back after explaining everything about Jesus in this letter. Paul comes back to this, his own, his own teaching to address his question like, okay, now we understand what Jesus Christ is. He's human in nature and he's the Messiah, son of God. But what did we receive through gospel from son of God? What we will receive it? And he calls it grace and apostleship. If you know that when I talk about the grace, I can remember one point like in my childhood days in schools, if I shot off like one or two points passing grade, then teachers usually make it happen. It's not which I earned it, they just make it happen to get it to the pass mark. Say for an example, I got the, pass the passing score is 35 points, but I got 32 or 33. So usually teachers like look at the student, if they can make it up, they adjust somewhere and added up three grace points to make it giving a passing score to the student so that it will be next time he will try to increase more and to appreciate. So that's not something we earned it. So, so that is one of the things like grace means actually here it's like it getting kindness and love which we didn't earn. And it is the core reason we can be saved and root of everything that can be happened to us. That is the main thing what we receive from this gospel. And we receive God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is by his sacrifice and resurrection we can reconcile with God and freely receive his grace. It's not that we earned it. And then he comes back to the apostleship. Like apostleship refers to, it's a mission like we send it with a purpose to teach to others about the gospel. And to inviting others to, with us to have a relationship with God so that they can also reconcile and find peace and they can feel the gospel and the Holy Spirit. And then Paul goes on to the state and explain, disclosing another perspective of the gospel. Like, it's not only uh, belongs to us as a Christian or Jews, it's not belongs to any particular group, it belongs to everyone, all the nation. He calls out that. He calls out that in this verses, like, it belongs to everyone. And he affirms that the gospel 
is for everybody and the scope is universal. He himself a Jew, right? So he's having loving people and loving family and everybody. And he want them also feel their salvation. And at the same time, he had been called to be an apostle for the Gentiles. So here is like we need to, Paul highlighting the point that we need to cast aside all the differences, all the distinguish what we have in our world. And the gospel is for everyone. So the gospel and the apostleship received through gospel is for everyone. So let's see how the gospel transforms us. Uh, did you guys ever watch Kung Fu Panda movie? Yeah, my kids love it. So you know the panda there can't shut his mouth at any point of time. He is always distracted and talkative. And in one of the movie, he kind of tried to learn this awesome martial arts move. But his master told like, you need to find the inner peace to master it. But he's so distracted, <laughs> he can't even understand what is it, right? So. Did you ever feel that peace in your heart, in our life? Because it's, if you really think about it, like peace is varies to different, different, different meanings to the different person. And if you think about the, what is really feel, did you feel peace uh, in our busy life? We are chasing against work, kids, family, and taking care of everything. And time flies, and every day we wake up and begins the routine again. We rush to the work, or we making food to the kids, or uh, we are catching up with the friends, or preparing documents, or going buying groceries. We were in the fast-facing life, and we were so busy, we don't even think about whether we are peace or not. But Paul describes about grace and peace in his letter. So the grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the grace here, he's emphasizing the freeness of God's justification sinners. And the peace is the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles in the body of Christ. What he calls here Jews and Gentiles is, we are also one of the Gentiles. We are not Jews by birth. Paul deliberately uses them to indicate that that all believers in Christ, whether you are a Jew or Gentile, belong to the covenant of people of God. So you will belong to under one group, under Jesus Christ. And the peace comes from the reconciliation with the God and the, uh, that can be given only by gospel. So, gospel, what, then what gospel does? It removes our anxiety and fear and worry and replaces with peace. So, when you, once you understand accepting the gospel and understand it, then it removes all the fear and anxiety what you feel in our today's life. And that comes from trusting in God's seniority and goodness. Look at these verses like Romans chapter 7 to 13. Like Paul, after the introduction, Paul expresses his feeling to his Roman readers to make four points, right? What he does in those six chapters, six verses, 
First, he thanked God for them all in verse 8, and he prays for them, and he tells that he longed to see them, and he often plans to visit them. But look at the Paul, how he was before he is accepting the gospel. He was a Jew and chasing and persecuting the Christians and so much anger and bitterness towards the Christian. But after receiving the gospel, look at how the gospel replaces that anger and bitterness with love and joy and a, comp and a compassionate heart in his Paul's life. And now he don't feel hate anymore towards the Christian. He feels joy and he feels relieved, and he feels peaceful heart. He wants to love everybody. So that's the uh, impact we'll have the gospel in our life. Understand the gospel impacts our heart, bringing about the radical changes in our desires and motivation and affections. And also gospel enables to be a peacemaker in stuff like getting angry every day, getting like shouting at the kids and shouting at the husband and nobody listening to me <laughs> and all those things. It it's happens in our today's life, right? Everybody, every time, whether it's a wife or husband, it doesn't matter. Every time we get frustrated if somebody does not listen to us. And but the gospel, here Paul says about like, the gospel actually replaces this, all this hate and fear and anxiety in our heart. And it replaces with, it resolves the complex, conflicts. And it, it gives us the opportunity to reconcile with the other persons. And it gives us the opportunity to promoting unity. Just think about it, right? If you have an argument with your partner or with your kids, and you have a prayer time as well in your home. Everybody will gather again. It gives you a chance to reconcile with them. And even they don't like it, you don't like it. We want to sit and we start praying or start singing the songs or whatever, how you do it. In each home it's different. But it gives you the opportunity to come together to reconcile with the other person. So in the same way here, the gospel brings unity towards us. These kind of sh actions will shape our life. The gospel shapes our actions and behavior and empowers us to live life that reflect the peace of Christ. And Paul commands the believers in Rome for their reputation of faithness and their testimony that spread throughout the world. So Paul declares that in his letter that he sees a lot of people from Rome becoming a Christians and their faith is becoming known to other people. And Paul expressed his desire to visit them and desire to impart spiritual gift to them. When he's talking about the spiritual gift, he's not talking about some holy nature and all. He's talking about his own teaching. He wants to see them in person and talk to them and teach them and share them what he felt about the gospel. And to be encouraged by their faith. See, he, when 
think about the Paul's perspective, right? When he learns that lot of Christi- lot of Romans becoming the Christian, that increases his faith as well. And when Romans read this letter, or this letter from Paul, it increases their faith as well, right? So that's kind of relationship. So that's kind of encouragement. Here Paul is talking about we need to encourage mutually to the each other. And Paul emphasizing importance of prayer as he continues to remember all these believers in his prayers. He seeks God's will and guidance regarding his journey to Rome and further highlights unity found in their strength. Paul calls out that in these passages, we are united in Jesus Christ, irrespective of the differences in whatever we have, race, nation, tribe, caste, and class, and knowledge, whatever we have differences, but we are united in Jesus Christ. All of these points, Paul highlighting that we need each other mutually encouraged in faith to grow not only as an individual, but as a community as well. It will help us to grow more in our faith and come closer to God. Now let's see how the gospel embraces our life. Gospel provides us confident and assurance with God and working through us, bringing peace to those we encounter. As we discussed in the beginning, right, most of the time we feel anxiety in our life. Like we are running around and chasing all these things. It's not, it's not bad, by the way. Most of them are because of a responsibility to take care of the kids and take care of the family and provide them and make them, they will grown up good and well behaved and a lot of things are there so I'm not talking about that but we always feel this anxiety of tomorrow what will happen what, what things go wrong did you ever thought that when things are not going in your way did you ever able to feel peace in your heart so a personal example right for me when I'm there was a financial critical situation in my life uh, I've been shared in this in church in the past as well. So I lost all of my savings and uh, my job does not pay me more. And I was so struggled and I was attending these interviews. And, uh, and I'm doing it good every time. They're giving a good feedback and HR called back good feedback and they will tell me that they will schedule the next interview, but it never happens. So things are going on like this. During those times, I really feel devastated and I really feel pain in my heart. And I couldn't feel peace and it couldn't give me the courage to go through it. And I used to skip churches. I never show up on Sundays. So, and then at one, some point of time, J.A. Uh, uh, called me to teach the, ask me a question like, would you be interested in teaching kids? Because we short off teachers. So I never done teaching the kids in the past. So I said, okay, because my kids and my wife, my family back in India, because during this is COVID time, 
especially those three years. They can't travel back here or I can't travel, so I miss them. So I said like, okay, for kids, yeah, definitely I'll do it. I miss my kids, at least this will calm me down. Only during those days only I will be in church whenever I'm teaching. The remaining Sundays I will not be here. But when I'm doing that, it gives me a hope that, and it gives me the ability to pray again to Jesus. And one day I sit and ask like, I, I know you are giving me the opportunities, but I am trying my best to do it, but I can't. I cannot make it up to the winning place or cannot get a job. I just leave it to you. Please do with me whatever you want, but at least give me a job. And I cried and played, prayed like literally for two to three weeks. And then what happened? After also I getting the job interviews and lost, uh, lasting, but I have this little bit of tiny hope that something will work out. And then I got the job, but uh, I, didn't, uh, I, I didn't join the job, by the way. <laughs> I got the job. It's a very good package. It's been double the salary what I usually get. But once the firm which I'm working knows about it, I was working as a contractor, and they said, like, why are you going out? We will offer you here itself from, as a permanent employee. And they reversed my salary. And it's been better than the other one. But if you think about it, right, in this example, my personal example, if maybe it's God's plan, like, Jaya, if Jaya didn't turn to reach out to me asking, like, you want to teach or you want to come, I would not gone back to the... I had not gone back to the God or I had not feel that hope, a little tiny bit of hope in my life. I would have taken the other job. I'd No, I would have turned it, maybe good or bad. But all I'm talking about here, like when you have God in your life, you will receive peace in trials and challenges. And it reminds us the faithful is promise and ultimate victory we have in Christ, enabling us endure the tough faces and preserve with peace in our heart. That's the kind of peace gospel gives us. It's not everybody when we are talking about the Christian, everybody talk about peace. We feel peace and all. But when we actually facing difficulties in our life, that's where the God's peace really shows what the gospel is about. So the gospel equips us with peace that's come from faith in Jesus Christ. And also Paul now gives the second reason eager to speak, uh, preach about the Jesus and gospel. But he started with, I'm not ashamed of. You know, this phrase has been made so much contradiction in so many preachings. When I'm listening about so many con uh, commentaries about this one, everybody talking about like, how Paul can say he's not ashamed of. And then somebody, in some text, they rephrase it. Instead of you're putting in a negative, I'm not ashamed of. So if somebody says like, oh, say for an example, I'm not amused. It, it means I'm upset and angry as well, right? I'm not assumed. Amused, sorry. Amused. Yes. 
So if you think in that perspective, instead of I'm not ashamed of it, if you put it like I'm proud of the gospel, it little bit turned out like, turned down the, whatever the Paul intention is, right? But also I learned, I'm, when I'm reading James towards scripture and sermon textures, so it gives me a good reason for it. So in, in his sermon, right, he's giving his perspective. There is no sense in declaring that you are not ashamed of something unless you are tempted to be ashamed of. Okay? And without the doubt, Paul knows his temptation. That's why he put that he is not ashamed of it. But how did the Paul overcome that temptation of ashamed of gospel? He, he tells us it is it is by remembering that the very same message which some people desire despite for its weakness, in fact, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. How do we know this? In the long run, right, only because we have experienced its saving power in our life. Moreover, the gospel is God's saving power for everyone who believes, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Saving faith, which is necessary response to the gospel, is great leveler. So if you look at this passage, right, when Paul says about the saving power of, God's saving power for everyone who believes, but he calls first for Jews, then for Gentile. You might think, why the Jews first? Why? Why we are, not, are we not important then? The reason is there is a no distinct. <clears throat> the reason is when the priorities for the Jews is Jews is the first to receive the God's word, and they are in the position to preach the God's word to others. So the that's why the priority first goes to Jew. But here, the Paul's talk about like it's for everyone. Either you Jew or Gentile, it's for everyone. So those are the points is Paul trying to highlight. It's not for Paul trying to discriminate like Jews always the first and Gentile is next. He's emphasizing the point that the prophet given to the Jews at first and they are in the position to teach the gospel and God's word to the people. And then the Gentiles can receive the gospel. And there is no distinction between in the respect of salvation. The first gave him the sense of obligation, right? So if you look at the Paul, he gives the sense of obligation and the second a sense of conviction. So the sense of obligation, he had been put in his trust with good news. And the sense of conviction, if it has been saved him, it could save others. Still today, gospel is both debt to recharge and power to experience. Only when we, we have grasped the felt the truth, we shall be always says with Paul, I am not ashamed. I am under obligation. So I am eager to share the gospel with the world. 
and it embraces us to share the gospel, the good news. When I'm thinking about these passages, like I felt really shamed of something. Like whenever there is, I, first of all, I am a non-Christian by birth. My father is a Hindu. I went to temples and did idol worship and all those things I did before I come to Hong Kong back in 2015. My mom is a Christian, but I go to the church as well. But I'm a kind of like, kind of line like one leg here, one leg here. 50, 50 Hindu, 50 Christian. <laughs> so it's like I don't know much about it. But when I came to Hong Kong, then uh, the Bridge Church is my first church, and it. Uh, I used to go to the Bible studies uh, because of their lovely food, to enjoy the food. I'm a bachelor, free food, so <laughs> no wonder. Okay, I'll join the Bible study after lunch. But as time goes by, it enables me to understand more gods, about God and everything. And whenever I'm having this conversation with my other friends in my office during lunchtime, always hesitant and ashamed to start with it and have a debate with them or kind of, they always bring up these questions like, okay, you are a Christian. So they'll post a challenge and challenging a lot of things like, why Paul is saying like this in this Bible verse or why it is like that, why you are not coming to hang out with uh, all these kind of questions will come up like, sometimes I smile and give a Generic response, I'm not arguing with them. Sometimes in a heated conversation, I just step back. But, but sometimes I feel ashamed, like, why should not I be afraid to share what I know? I, I think most of us also feel the same who comes from non-Christian background. When we go to our back our home, like, to our relatives and all, like, I usually little bit ashamed to share anything about what I know about Jesus. Even I started, it will end up very badly or I will be feel afraid. So that's this kind of things Paul is talking about. So Paul is here talking about like, we should be called, not, uh, should not be ashamed and we are under obligation and so that we are eager to share the good news. And Paul continues in verse 16 to 17, the reason for re, reason on the gospel, gospel is God's saving power. It's God's righteousness is revealed. Moreover, this righteousness is from faith to faith. In fulfillment, the righteousness will live by faith. So these are the three terms Paul describing in these two verses. When I'm thinking about this one, right? I got like three questions, like first, what is the righteousness of God? The second is, what is the meaning from faith to faith? And it's, uh, if you look at some of the preachers can preach entire sermon from faith to faith, and they can go like even two to three sermons, so that's a big topic. But we try to cover the major points. And then third, how can we interpret the quotation Paul here mentioning about the righteousness will live by faith? So the first we look at the righteousness of God. Some emphasizes, right, the righteousness of God is divine attribute or quality. Righteousness is, describes his character together with actions which are keeping his character. Throughout Paul's 
pains to defend the righteousness of God and behavior of God. Paul declaring everything, whatever the God does is righteousness. He re-emphasizes the same in salvation, in judgment as well. And the righteousness of and the righteousness of God is first and foremost righteousness to demonstrate God's faithfulness to his own righteousness nature. So the second thing we can come about the think about righteousness of God, it's a divine activity. Namely, is saving intervention on behalf of people. The first thing, first what we see, it's divine attribute and quality. And the second thing is divine activity, how he saves people. Indeed, the salvation and his righteousness are frequently coupled together in these passages. And for an example, right, Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. And similarly, God declares, I am bringing my righteousness near and my salvation will not be delayed. Everything, if you look at these passages, salvation and righteousness goes in parallel. And the third, Paul reveals the righteousness of God is, the gospel is a divine achievement. The genitive is no longer the subjective, but objective. A righteousness from God, render if a righteousness of God can be thought as a divine attribute or activity or achievement. When you say divine attribute, our God is a righteous God. When you say activity, he comes to our rescue. And when you say achievement, he bestowed us his righteous status. That means our salvation. So all are true. Then why do we need to choose? Why can't we combine all these three? That's the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is the righteous in initiative in putting sinners right with himself. Is bestow, by bestowing on them righteousness which is not their own, but his. He's done it through Christ. The verse emphasizing that righteousness is obtained by faith. It's, so it's not something we can earn or achieve through our own efforts or good works. Instead, it received through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, is, which is revealed the gospel, is offered to us out, out to faith, into faith, or to be, put it simply, from faith to faith. There are more explanations for this. Like, If you talk about from faith to faith, uh, there are a lot more explanations we have. Like, I want to highlight the four which I caught my eyes on. The first belongs to the faith origin itself. From, from God's faith, we are faithful. So, God makes an offer, we are in the responsive side. So, God is faithful towards us. And we can feel that faithfulness through our faith. And the second, it's spread, spread of faith by evangelism. The, po the Paul point making here is like from one believer to another. So if your faith 
you having more faith in you that will help to the another believer as well so one believer to another believer and the third is allora third is to refer to faith's growth from one degree of faith to another degree of faith and fourth it's uh, it may be relates to faith primacy which is being stressed out in this case the expression is purely rhetorical it's been rendered out for example from faith from first to last it emphasizes everything from the moment we receive the gospel at at the end of our life from first to last how the our faith will be so when you look at all these things right everything looks true to me to be honest it's it's not we can come a point like this is the one is true so then how we can express that from faith to faith that from the phrase from faith to faith express all in all the things the nature of the faith it signifies the faith it's not limited to one time event in our life or it emphasizes like entire our life faith begins the moment at the sal- at the moment the salvation when we first trust in christ and continues to be foundation our relationship with god and paul concluding this talking about the righteousness of god and from faith to faith he gives us one single quotation at the end and concluding the righteousness will live by faith and that and how we can interpret that and first paul already used this text in galatian uh, written some years earlier and he says that biblically we are the as biblical support for justification by faith not by law he says that our justification comes by faith to god not by law what we did and secondly the context almost demands this rendering paul concerns here is not how righteous people live but how sinful people become righteousness so here he is talking about how we as a sinners become righteousness through gospel and thirdly his translation fits the scripture of the entire roman law if you look at the roman entire chapter right that book it's always touches everything about god he writes this entire letter if you look at this entire letter chapters 1 to 4 the faith term occurs 25 times and life occurs twice and whereas in chapter 5 to 8 it occurs life occurs 25 times faith occurs only twice so it's kind of fits its entire letter writing so it's kind of demonstrating what is intended to show and paul concludes the entire theme in chapters 1 to 4 through who he who through faith is righteous and for chapters 5 to 8 he shall live so whichever whichever way the sentence is understood right he the one thing we can be assured of is the righteousness shall live and that faith is essential for that the only question is whether the righteousness 
by faith we live or the righteousness we live by faith but are they uh, both are not true they are <laughs> righteousness and the life are both by faith it's not we can separate both of them if you don't have faith your life and righteousness everything falls apart so both righteousness and the life are both by faith those who are righteous by faith also live by faith and having begun in faith they continue to in the same path and as i mentioned earlier faith is not just one time activity right we can go do one like uh, do uh, do uh, community activities and uh, singing carols and do all this christmas time do for one week and go back to our world with that faith is not belongs to that any particular event or any particular uh, time or any particular uh, moment in our life faith belongs to our life entirely from start to the end and it grows our life and it grows uh, us to come close to god and make us more righteous to the god and gives us the grace from jesus christ so we so the conclusion here is i'm trying to make the point is the gospel not only brings us peace with god but equips us with love joy peace in every aspect of our life it transforms our mind hearts actions enabling us to experience this peace embracing us to share the good news with others and bringing closure to god through our faith in jesus christ so i take one minute to chat with others and discuss about whatever you stuck out from the sermon and from the sharing not sermon from the sharing <laughs> uh so that gives band to come up here and uh, close up with the songs <laughs>